<laughs> I, I love that video. They did it so well. Um, live in fear. Well, what if I told you to live in fear? You might say, well, isn't that what we've been doing the last year? Like, I've had enough. What if I told you that Jesus implied to live in fear? Well, before I go any further with that, there are these phrases that Jesus says, that Jesus uses, that sometimes are taken out of context. And when they're taken out of context, they make you go, wait, wait, what? What, what are you saying, Jesus? And so when Matt and I started talking about the sermon series, it's our hope that we can put context around some of these difficult passages. Some of these passages that at first blush you go, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't quite sound right. I don't understand where we're going with this. Live in fear is one of those concepts that we see um, uh, used in scripture oh, that makes us wonder. What are they talking about exactly? So that's what we're going to dig into today. In doing so, I hope we can put some context around what godly fear looks like and where we apply it. But not just that, for us to be able to take a step of faith together and embrace what the Lord would have for us. Are you ready? ready. Great. Well, let's pray and we're going to jump into it together. Jesus, we do love you. And we praise you, we thank you, and we ask that you would be glorified and honored in the things that we do and say. And Lord, we're, we're talking about something that our culture has painted and shifted and placed in certain areas that ought not be. And so, Lord, I, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to rightly align with your word. That in aligning with your word, we would walk in faith. And in walking in faith, we would glorify and honor you. Uh, these things that we've been tackling, Lord, and, and, and discussing have big implications. And those implications, uh, Lord, have eternal value. And so we want to honor you in this place. So I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And that, Lord, you would even speak through me today, that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary and, and that your word would become clear to us, that what we would remember uh, is you and how we can walk closer with you. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, what is fear? Let's look at a noun and verb form of it so that we're all on the same page. We're all saying the same things. And let's take a look at it. As a noun, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or is a threat. Fear can be a very good thing. It can help us to identify we're not in a safe place. We, we could be harmed. Uh, something bad could occur to us. Fear isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. Let's look at it in its verb form. To be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. So verb, it's an action, right? It's how we respond. Sometimes we get some ideas confused. And I, I want to pause and address those as well. And I also want to make this part clear. Um, 
I don't have a clinical view of this. I'm not authorized to give a clinical view of what I'm about to share with you. I'm talking about some surface uh, definitions of some phrases. I also recognize that there could be some, uh, some health issues tied with these phrases. That's not what I'm addressing. I'm just helping us to clarify some differences. And then we're going to look at the Bible and see specifically what Scripture has to say about those things. So, with that in mind, fear, phobia, and anxiety, sometimes these are all tied together. Sometimes they, they look a little bit different. And I, I want to give just a little bit of clarity so that when we jump into the passages we're going to be reading, uh, there's, there's mutual understanding. So, with respect to fear, we've already addressed it, but when we look at phobia, phobia is an extreme fear or an irrational fear. So, that would be a phobia, and, and that might look a lot of different ways, and I'm not picking on anybody. So, if this phobia I bring up, if this is you, I didn't have you in mind when I stated this, okay? Um, just so you know. But a, an example might be, uh, being, being, a, being scared of spiders, uh, small spiders. And you might like, ooh, I just get the heebie-jeebies. I hate spiders. If I know that they're in a room, I won't go in the room. And, and somebody might ask you, well, have you ever been bit by a spider? No. Have you ever seen somebody bit by a spider? No. I just, those legs, they creep me out. I hate them. Uh, okay, well, that might be more of a phobia, an irrational fear. Uh, that might be extreme, perhaps. Anxiety is a little bit different and seems to focus more on an event that we can't control. So anxiety seems to be focused more on an event that we can't control. I'm anxious because I don't know the outcome of what's going to happen at this event or when I'm around these people. Again, this is a surface look at those two topics, but I want the clarity between what those are versus fear. So what does the Bible have to say about fear? If I'm telling you that Jesus seems to imply live in fear, then shouldn't we see this throughout the scriptures? So let's look and see at least some passages of what the scriptures do tell us. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here, at least according to uh, the, the Old Testament, the person of faith shouldn't be bound by fear, especially fear of evil. Okay, so fear doesn't seem to be something that we embrace as a quality of faith. Let's keep looking. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says it this way. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So again, in this psalm, seems to be that people of faith are not embracing fear as their common behavior or practice. Let's look one more place. Psalm 91, 4 through 5. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. So again, the implication is whatever is going on in the world, we don't have to fear that thing. So people of faith, again, are, are not embracing fear as a common behavior practice characteristic of who they are. 
So let's look closer at Jesus' words. Let's see what what he has to say. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Um, I, I, I love it um, when, when people are opening up the scriptures, they have their Bibles. Uh, I love it because I love to underline, I love to highlight, I'll write little notes off to the side in my Bible. Uh, my wife, she's really good at this. She'll put dates right by it so she can go back in you know, uh, six months, in a year, in five years, or just randomly when she's studying that scripture again and remember, oh yeah, I was, at, I was at church and Pastor Matt said this that day or this person said this in our Bible study and it just really ministered to me. So uh, I really want to encourage you to use your Bibles, bring them in, underline, highlight. If you didn't, that's okay. We love you and the words are right here. So it works out. Uh, Luke chapter 12, we'll start in verse 4, and this is Jesus. And by the way, Jesus, in the fuller context, is, is calling out the Pharisees and their sin. So that's where this chapter starts, with Jesus calling that out. Uh, which, by the way, would have been shocking to the hearers. I can't believe Jesus is talking about the religious leaders as having sin. I'm not super comfortable with that. Like, that would have probably been the initial response to Jesus leading up to this passage. And, but then Jesus goes in further, starting in verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Let's pause there. Do not fear those who kill the body. Well, who could that be? Jesus is referring to people in this scenario. Don't fear people who could kill your body, which is a big deal because they're being oppressed by Rome and they've also seen their own people be crucified on the outskirts of the city, which is a horrible, horrible practice. Uh, it's brutal. And it was right in their face and they've seen it. And Jesus is making this comment, do not fear those who kill the body, people. That's what Jesus seems to be referring to in this passage, people. But the principle expands a little bit further, and let me help you with it. The principle could be uh, extended to health. Here's what I mean. Uh, several years ago, I was with, uh, I, a pastor was telling me the story that he had gone in to uh, be with this 18-year-old who had cancer, stage four cancer, and the, the day that he was there was a, within a week of, of him uh, going, graduating into eternity. And on that day, as this 18-year-old is sick and unhealthy uh, with cancer, he says this to the pastor. Unless the Lord heals me, I'm going to die. But I want you to know, Though cancer has got my body, I've not let the cancer into my soul. That's, that's the principle. Like, uh, yeah, uh, they can kill your body, but it can't kill your soul. And I would just extend that to us even here today in the midst of this weird season of COVID. I, we, yeah, COVID might affect us. It might even infect us, but let's not let it into our soul right? Like that's not the fear we're talking about in this. Do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. They're limited to the body. People are limited to the body. COVID, limited to the body. Cancer, limited to the body. 
Don't fear that. Verse 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Let's pause there. So we've talked about people, and by extension, we've talked about other things that that could kill us, specifically uh, health issues, diseases. But here, there is a change. And at first blush, people will often say uh, one of two things. Well, it, it could either be God or it could be the devil. And they sometimes say the devil because it's connected with hell, has authority to cast into hell. But when we look through the scriptures, what we see is the devil has no authority to throw us in hell. That's not his job. Uh, He's not able to do that. That is given to the ultimate judge who can rightly divide right and wrong. And the God of heaven will do what is right. So this passage, who to fear? It's not the devil. It's clearly God. Yes, I tell you, fear him. When we say live in fear, we're not saying live a life of fear in general directed to everybody, but we're talking about what Jesus is telling us. And what Jesus is telling us is to live a life of fear that is directed at God specifically. We'll talk more about that. Hang on to that thought. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. For some of us, it's easier to number than others. Fear not. You are of more value than sparrows. My God's got it covered. He loves us. Even your, the hairs on your head are numbered. I, it's like Jesus saying, God's got us. But fear him. Now, uh, why is that? Well, there, there are many reasons. We're going to highlight a few together. Uh, Proverbs 1.7. This is another one, by the way, if, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to go to these Proverbs and underline and highlight these especially. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But it begins with fear of the Lord. Now, we live in a, a unique culture where we can just hear sounds randomly through... <laughs> That's okay. But I, I got to say that for those of you online, uh, just so you know, someone's phone went off. And, and I, I love this because we had an elder one time in our church and he was always giving me grief. And this was early on with flip phones. His phone went off in the service. And I'm like, this is beautiful. This is an opportunity. And, and I took it. And what I said was, what I said was, his name is Rick. And uh, I said, Rick, that better be Jesus calling you because I don't know why you're on your phone. You know, it was, it was great. It was great. I love, 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 love. Um, uh, but anyways, I digress. The fear of the Lord. <laughs> the fear of the Lord. We live in a culture specifically, though, that uh, we're pretty familiar. Uh, we comment uh, on each other's social media, even on people we don't know, we act as if we do know, and there's this like commonness that occurs. Uh, that, that can be a really good thing. Here's an example of a really good thing. Good Friday. Phenomenal. If you were able to be a part of it in Shakopee, we, we had a great time. Um, uh, uh, Greg Strzok and uh, Brian Lubinsky, they joined me and, and uh, we preached. But Good Friday is very, very heavy. You know, we're talking about the God who came in the flesh and died is very, 
very heavy topic. And um, at the end, the idea, you know, we say things like, you know, uh, as you leave, leave quietly. And, and we mean that because it's hard to do much else, right? I mean, that's true. <laughs> but I was standing in the corner and I was looking and I saw right as soon as uh, Joel Farber said amen, there was someone over uh, on the side of the building and they saw someone they hadn't seen in a year. And so here you have this somber event and the person goes, hey, hey, it's good to see you. And COVID friendly approached one another and like, okay, do we shake? Do we bump? Do we, uh, nope. Oh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. I love that friendliness, uh, the unity that we have. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And that is something that our culture has. But one of the things that has happened is that, that generally we've extended that same attitude towards God. Uh, he's my buddy. He's my friend. He's my pal. Mm, I tell him when I'm angry with some of the things that's going on and he'll listen. Like that kind of familiarity. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're, we are talking about in the biblical concept, uh, uh, the Old Testament biblical concept of what fear is. Uh, one way that fear is played out is falling on your face, trembling. Uh, what do you mean by that, Kenny? Well, here's an example. Uh, in, in Wyoming, there aren't many trees. Uh, Montana is called Big Sky Country because there aren't many trees, and you literally can see the, the edge of the horizon to the edge of the horizon and all the way around you. Uh, in many places, it's, it's really clear. So the sky looks huge. Well, at the borderline, it doesn't change, right? In Wyoming, it's the same way. And we were up in the mountains, and there weren't many trees in that place either. And this will matter in just a moment. Cindy and I were walking around, and we look, and the sky starts turning gray. And then it starts going from gray to black. And then we see these, like, pulses of lightning on the horizon, and they're coming. Now, there are no trees on the mountain. Do you hear me? My wife is shorter than I am. <laughs> Do you hear me? Like, there is a legit fear that I'm going to get struck by lightning on the mountain and no one is going to find me. It's a holy, fearful moment. Uh, I can't do anything about it. I can't suddenly put up a lightning rod. I can't tell the storm to go away. I, I can't hide underground. There was this moment of terror because that storm was bigger than me and had my life in its balance. There is this fear of God that recognizes that. God's bigger than me. And I, and I don't tell him what to do. Uh, he tells me. And God is good and God is wonderful, but he's also all-powerful. And he holds my soul in his hands. Did you choose to follow me or did you not? And he can judge rightly. That's an amazing thing. There's also another kind of fear, and that's reverence. And so there is this revering of, uh, that is used in the Old Testament that is also called fear. And it's, it's a reverence. You are in a position of authority above me. And so I'm under your authority. I revere 
your will and your ways because of that. Again, we sometimes lose that in the West, but that's the reality of what the fear is talking about in the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. Now, knowledge, information, data points is really important, and we can't miss this. Why might the fear of the Lord be the beginning of knowledge? And perhaps it's because we, we, can't, we can't categorize, we can't understand this knowledge, these data points, with, without God. Why is that? Well, because all history is God's story. This is all about God. Uh, creation points us to God. The heavens declare the glory of God. It's all about God. Our lives are testimonies that point toward God, sometimes with great examples, sometimes with bad examples, but they point us towards God. That's the whole point. And so knowledge is a piece of that. Uh, A few years ago, I had the opportunity to speak at Comic-Con in Denver, and then also uh, in Fort Collins. It was a great experience, and, and it was faith in film is what I was talking through. And in talking through it, uh, I was reading a, a Christian who's, who's really nerdy and deep into it, and, that, and I'm nerdy and deep into it, so it worked out. But one of the things he said that I thought was peculiar was this. He said, before I open up my comics to read them, I stop and I pray, and I ask God to give me insight. I ask God to give me wisdom. I ask God to give me direction so that I can understand this story and help point myself and others to God. Like, isn't that a great? I know it's kind of weird, but like, maybe that's how it should be. Uh, this information that we have, uh, it needs to be in the context of the fear of the Lord. That God has a plan. Maybe our, our textbooks in school should begin with that. God, before I, I read this, I, I, I need to be pointed to you, and I want to point others to you, so help me see the beauty and the wonder and the mystery of you in this. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, in Proverbs 9.10, it, it takes a little bit different uh, twist here, and it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And let me, let me just kind of shift this. So if knowledge is information, if it's data points that, that we um, learn about, then wisdom is acting those out, living them out. So wisdom would be the action of that knowledge, right? So, so uh, the author here, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is telling us that we take in knowledge in... Um, in the context of the fear of the Lord, this holy respect, this awe of God, and then we live it out with that same awe of God, this holy respect. And, and, and as we do, we're, we're, we're better to live it out. We're better to live out this wisdom. And it begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, I do have a passage that I want to share with you that's not up on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, that is fine. Uh, I'll read it out loud to you. But it's 1 John chapter 4. And uh, I, I want to read to you in verse 18. And um, you're going to see how from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's a little bit of transition, but there's also some clarity. Now watch this. There is no fear in love. And, and again, that, that fear is this misplaced, directed towards people, 
directed towards situations. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. There it is. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So part of the reason perhaps that God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom and goodness wants us to not fear the world is because they don't have this ability to punish. But then speaking to the church in 1 John, there is this idea that with God, if you are following him, if you've surrendered to his lordship, if you have his Holy Spirit indwelling in you, there is no punishment that you have to anticipate. The price has been paid for you. And this walk that you have, yeah, it comes in this context of this fear of the Lord and this holy respect, but it can be embraced as love. And so for some here today, I, I just I wonder if you've been in that place. I wonder if, if fear has seized you in such a way that it's also seized your soul. Have you let that cancer in, that COVID in, that anger in, that hurt in, that abuse in, and it's affected our soul. If, if that's the case, then I, I want to tell you that there is a God who loves you and he gave himself on the cross that we could have life. And this could be a part of that life. It's eternal and it's everlasting, but it's a love that drives away fear, fear of things to come. There was a lady in our church uh, years ago, and she said this to me. She goes, Kenny, I'm not scared of dying. It's the getting dead part that worries me. <laughs> That's true. But this perfect love even addresses that. This love that there is no punishment. You follow me. There is more. There is a new chapter. There is more that you're graduating into. When we say live in fear, we're talking about the fear of the Lord, not of the world and the things of this world. Christ has given us victory. As we close up our time in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, the ushers will be coming forward for our tithes and offerings. And one of the things I would just request of you is that you would keep us in prayer. We understand and recognize that our offerings are sacrificial. And that they're sacrificial and given to the Lord. And so we want to we spend money in a way that is advancing the kingdom and glorifying God. So if you would join us in, in prayer about that. But then also, uh, as the ushers will come forward when I pray, I want to encourage you to think in your own mind uh, of offering yourself to the Lord. That a part of this offering is offering ourselves to the Lord and the fullness of what he has. Would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we love you and we thank you. And, and Lord, we, we thank you that we don't, we don't have to fear the world and the things of the world, but that we do need to fear you. That uh, you, you can rightly divide what is right and what is wrong. And Lord, you hold our souls in your hands. And Lord, we trust you with them. We ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. And even today, as we give our offerings to you, Lord, it's our desire that, uh, that even 
placing our gift in the offering is more than just placing a gift in the offering, but symbolically we're saying, again, Lord, I follow you. Lord, I am offering myself to you again, Lord, for your glory. We love you. Be exalted and lifted up even here today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the ushers come, would you please stand as we worship?